Hello and welcome to Martrek, the podcast that explores new frontiers. 30 minutes of chat for marketing pros who want to boldly go where no person has gone before. Hello, so your hosts are me, that's Simon Quarrenden, and him, that's Dominic Hawes. Today we're exploring B2B marketing's new frontier, account-based marketing, or ABM, as it's mostly known. ABM is the new kid on the marketing block, but is it really new? To discuss ABM, we're joined today by Incubi Consulting's Managing Director, Samantha Andrews. Now, Samantha has had a long career in agency world. Um, She's been working for two of the possibly the largest ABM agencies around the world. So she is what we would consider an ABM specialist. And we thought it'd be really useful to hear her views on where the agency industry was going. Before we talk to Samantha about that particular subject, Dom, what's caught your eye in the news lately? So this week, PR Week and Cision published the 2019 Global Comms Report. Now, while it's mainly targeted at PR and comms professionals, there are two interesting nuggets in there that I thought were worthy bringing to our show. Firstly, social channels. Now, after Facebook, Instagram has replaced Twitter as the number two most popular social channel for comms professionals. LinkedIn grew in importance, but remains in fourth place behind Twitter. And I kind of sense, therefore, there's a brand marketing bias in the report. But nevertheless, this concurs with anecdotal evidence I've experienced that Instagram is definitely on the rise. The other thing that caught my eye very quickly this month is the Gartner CMO spending survey. Now, that report doesn't uh, shine a very sunny light on the state of marketing in the UK. I came across the news on marketingtechnews.net, and they report that UK marketing budget allocations are overall significantly behind their US counterparts. The study surveyed 430 executives in five markets and say they find marketing budgets in the UK now comprise less than one-tenth of overall company revenue, whereas last year it was 11.4%. So is the UK falling behind? We haven't seen the source data, so it's hard to know statistically how robust that assertion is. But we are seeing optimism from our clients. So Simon, what do you think? Is the UK lagging behind America? or I just want to come back to that uh, PR Week Cision uh, piece because it's, it was too interesting. There's two pits that I took out of that. And it's, it's worth a read. And as Dom says, he's going to put the links in. Um, one is for the UK in particular is the role of employees as influencers. And for the UK, because it does a international comparison, it's showing that over half the respondents see employees as being particularly important alongside all the other influencers. Now, that's that's interesting because um, the internal comms has always been seen as a bit of a Cinderella industry. Um, now, as you know, Don, we've looked at a number of internal comms agencies. We find it a fascinating area. And as, as things get tougher, internal comms and the role of employees becomes more and more important. But we're beginning to see actually the role of employees as influencers. So that's the first thing I took away from it. The other thing I took away from it was this constant, although there is a lot of interest in earned media as being influential and powerful, the PR industry was still fretting about the fact that it didn't know what people were doing as a result of reading that article. So you'd spent a lot of money, you'd got your uh, communication piece or your message out there via earned media, the journalist had plugged the story, but you didn't actually know what the audience did with that having read it. You didn't know whether it influenced their opinion, whether it changed their attitudes or it changed their behaviours. And that for me, in a sense, is the holy grail. And that's why the digital world is still winning out 
uh, against the PR world because they can absolutely tell you, you know, who, what people did as a result of that communication piece, where they went next on the website, how long they stayed on the website, what the dwell time was, et cetera, et cetera. And until PR, the PR industry cracks that, until it can turn around to CEOs and the like and budget holders and say, this is what people did as a direct result of reading that, we're sunk. And it continues to remain a sort of a, a leap of faith to try and persuade senior management to spend a lot of money on PR because we just don't know where the money's going. So the discussion about whether the UK is falling behind uh, the rest of the world or whatever with regard to the Gartner report is an interesting one. Um, I suspect, and we, we, we try desperately in this podcast not to mention the word Brexit, but there we are. I've just I've said it. It slipped out. But we have to look at the effect that Brexit is having on confidence. And I think that is a, you know, that is a time-specific condition. And I, I genuinely believe that in 2020, you know, I am a glass-half-full kind of guy, and I do believe that if we can get Brexit out of the way, there is going to be this release of confidence, and there is a direct proportion, there is a direct relationship between confidence and budgets and budget release. Once we get that uncertainty out of the way, once we get clarity, I think we will begin to see the budgets being released, and I think the UK will quite rightly begin to bounce back for what it is, which is a very vibrant economy in which to do marketing. Today we're exploring B2B marketing's new frontier, account-based marketing or ABM, as it's mostly known. ABM is the new kid on the marketing block, but is it really new? To discuss ABM, we're joined today by Incubi Consulting's Managing Director, Samantha Andrews. With a long career in agency, Samantha is an ABM specialist, and we're really pleased to be talking to her. Samantha, hello. Hi, Dom. Thank you for inviting me in. Delighted to be the first person on the Selby Anderson podcast as a guest. Well, we're very pleased to have you. Um, maybe you could start by telling us what is ABM? Good question. What is ABM? Well, ABM is an organisational strategy designed to help organisations win more revenue from targets, target accounts and to accelerate opportunities faster. Okay. And what does that mean? <laughs> it's about growth, essentially. And, you know, much like B2B marketing has um, been for ages, really, ABM focuses on outcomes, really, I think, in, in what we do, doing work that has more purpose. And I think it flips things on its head about a bit, rather, um, and that we're being more customer focused in our approach. I think many organisations have lost their way a bit in that. Um, so... ABM is an approach to get us focused around those large, complex accounts, those deals that take a longer time period to close. They're often larger in revenue. Um, they often have a number of people within, involved within the buying decision-making unit. Sometimes that could be a dozen people, often or not, it's more. Those people all come to the table with perceptions on organisations, past experiences, different goals, different opportunities, um, and they all contribute to the process of which they buy things. Um, and I think that's where ABM fits in. It helps to talk to clients about what is relevant to them, um, to, as I say, to, to help win more revenue in those accounts and to accelerate those opportunities. And also not to forget that every organisation has accounts and by accounts I mean businesses and organisations that they need to protect and need to turn into advocates and ABM helps to protect that too. Okay cool so what, what kind of companies are currently using ABM? 
Yeah, so ABM has been around for a while. I'd say that it's still in relatively early adoption um, stages. We're seeing some bigger tech companies that have been doing it for a while and are giving um, a good guide um, as to how they've done things. Um, but I think ABM, it, you know, essentially it could be for everyone. I think we're seeing a lot of people adopting ABM in the tech space. I think it's working well in financial services. We're seeing it in professional services. Um, we're seeing it in utilities companies. So I think ABM has a place in all organizations, really. And it's becoming, it's, as I say, still an early adoption stage, but it's becoming business as usual. People have realized um, the Topo 2019 report that was released earlier this year surveyed people and it said that ABM and those surveys said that ABM helps to increase customer life cycle, life cycle value by 86% win rates by 80% and increases ROI by 76%. Those are incredible statistics when you're thinking about them. They are. Those are amazing <laughs> statistics. And Simon, I hope I've got them right. <laughs> well, well, if you haven't, we'll put, some, we'll put a correction on the website. So there's no problem there. But Simon, with statistics like that, we should all be doing ABM. Yes, we should, uh, undoubtedly. And as I think as Samantha has indicated, uh, people are waking up to it. They're looking at it in in more than a cursory look at it. They're actually beginning to look at setting up pilots. And clearly that, it seems to me, is an important part of it. But, you know, wh I'm always fascinated about how we've got to where we've got to. Why, why, are we, why have we got to where we've got to? And by that, I mean, um, my understanding, uh, and Samantha, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that really ABM is largely about trying to make the sales departments work more closely with the marketing departments in a much more cohesive and integrated way. And my question is, how do we get to that? How do we get to a point where there's this chasm or schism between the two departments? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question, Simon. And it's actually, it's true of a lot of organisations. So um, I think, you know, you have to start with what the business landscape is. I think Forrester, um, their research shows that fewer than 1% of leads turn into customers. So when you see a statistic like that, of course, you ask what, you know, what's going on, you know, with the, with the other 99%. Um, and I think, you know, sales and marketing have become really siloed. I think marketing departments have been traditionally you know unfortunately landed with the perception of being the coloring in department and you know the, these people are my tribe and I don't want to knock them and I think we've had to to work hard to move away from those kind of perceptions um so account uh, some of the marketing departments rather have become focused on um their metrics where they can be seen to be adding value to the business um and those metrics some say would are pretty questionable marketing qualified leads if you're talking about people that have downloaded a white paper from your website, that's great. But how do you know that that right white paper has reached the right person? And that's the person that's going to impact um, the buying process in, in, in the business that you're trying to target. Um, website statistics are great, but actually, how does that fit into business outcomes? So marketing have these figures that they have to hit it each month in terms of marketing qualified leads. Um, so they're busy going after them. Um, they're also fo focused on developing the company's brand perception um, and producing content. Some people are on sort of content hamster wheels, um, producing this del deluge of information. Um, and then, so they're busy focused on that. Meanwhile, we have sales off 
doing their own stuff. Um, and the two aren't speaking the same language. We have marketing talking about leads. We have sales who close accounts. And actually, it is accounts that sales do close and do look to protect. If we're not talking the same language, we're not working. And I talk about this concept of one team quite a lot. And it was really interesting to see Simon's post the video the other day talking about teams. Um, because as, as you said, a team isn't just a group of people with a name. There is actually a purpose to it. And we've lost some of the sort of the factors that why make why teams function well in the first place. And up there is obviously trust at the top of that. But that comes followed closely by things like purpose, goals, knowing where you fit into being able to deliver those goals, accountability. And I think one thing that makes account-based marketing so important is that we are aligning sales, marketing, operations, and indeed bringing the C-suite into this. You have to have executive support for account-based marketing to work well. Um, is that we're bringing all of these people together and saying, let's look at our accounts. Let's look at our account list. Let's see where we've sold well before. Let's look at where the opportunities are to sell well again, not just within our prospect list, but within the wider universe. And let's, as one team, let's go after that together. So within ABM, there are three three tiers, yeah. right? So there's one-to-one, one-to-few, and one-to-many. Yeah. And so one-to-many can be programmatic and or automated, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I think part of the malaise that we've got, and maybe this is why ABM is becoming more and more important, is that anyone can create a an automated marketing campaign, but most people shouldn't. So is programmatic, is one-to-many, is that ABM at all? Yeah, so I think, yeah, again, Dom, a really good point. I think there's a lot of discussion. Firstly, the ABM triangle gets an outing a lot. So if, if you haven't seen it, though, go on to Google, just do a quick search. You'll see it pop up in various incarnations. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, we focus on the top two part of the ABM triangle, which is known as the strategic um, one-to-one so um, and one-to-few um, in terms of account-based marketing. That's your handfuls and sometimes hundreds of accounts. Um, but rarely ever the hundreds or the thousands, which is what programmatic focuses on. And you're right, I think programmatic has tended to be sort of this one-way direction of broadcasting messages, which are very customer as in eye-focused rather than looking at what actually your clients are doing. And and they're perceived as being sort of personalised, but they're really not. And I think, you know, there is a place for that by all means, you know, get across as many of your accounts as, as possible by those kind of methods. But ultimately, when you're looking at larger deals, you you can't rely on that kind of approach. You have to be more customer focused than that. Um, and I think that's where ABM comes in. And I think, you know, one of the reasons that we looked at ABM is that, you know, I'll talk, I would like to come on to the insight part of ABM because I think that's important to cover next. Um, but when we talk about tactical execution, of marketing around ABM, um, it should be omnichannel, it should be multidisciplinary. So yes, there's a place for digital interactions there to get in in front of those key people that you need to. There's also a more physical um, way of of doing ABM and and tactically in that direct mail works very well here. But absolutely, you can't replace the human aspect of a sales opportunity. Human interactions play a huge part here Um, and I think programmatic ABM or um, the one to many in that way um, I kind of think it kind of misses that bit it's great for those shorter deal cycles those you know lower value things but high value definitely I think strategic ABM is your focus here 
In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? Making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. Okay, so I'm going to come on to insight in a minute, but I do just want to ask Simon a question because there's an elephant in this room that we haven't yet discussed. This month... Uh, listeners, you don't know this, but Samantha's just launched Incubi yes. as part of the Selby Anderson Group. Simon, talk to me about how ABM is important as part of our mix. I think it's extremely important. Clearly, it's very important. And we're, and we're excited at the opportunity that it's going to create for us um, because at one level, it's the, to a certain extent, it's the keystone in a kind of an architecture. It's the keystone that locks everything in. Um, it, it sits at the top of the strategic pile, as Samantha was just saying. It gives us the opportunity to talk to the C-suite in perhaps a way that we haven't talked to before. Certainly some of our agencies at the moment uh, have tremendous relationships with the clients, but actually if we were to look at where those clients sit within the organisation, they're definitely not the C-suite. So the ABM, this ABM um, service that we're now able to offer is going to give us the opportunity to engage uh, with the C-suite. I think the insight, and I know that Sam wants to talk later on about um, the role that Insight can play within the ABM, that's going to re, re-enthuse uh, a discipline which is beginning to kind of fall out of agencies. And by that, I mean that uh, you've heard me talking in the past perhaps about advertising agencies that had account planning departments, but they kind of withered on the vine uh, and, and they were kind of either shut down or, or, or sold off. Um, that account planning function in the old definition of it, which is, is, is resurfaced as talking about insights, is so important and it's a discipline that isn't necessarily going to be restricted to ABM. So we're going to use Incubi as an opportunity for us, for all the other agencies to learn from Incubi, uh, to learn that some of the skills, and I think a lot of those skills are transferable to our other agencies. So I would hope that all the other agencies in our portfolio, not just now, but the ones we acquire in the future, can benefit through a process of osmosis of being exposed to Incubi and the, some of the skills and disciplines that uh, Incubi can offer. Okay. And Sam, you're launching Incubi into a market that is growing pretty quickly. You mentioned that kind of we're in the early stages of adoption. A a lot of B2B organizations now looking at ABM and taking it quite seriously. Um, But there are agencies popping up here, there and everywhere at the moment. How do you see Incubi being different from the other people that are either already in the market or the ones that are just starting to pop up? Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting how um, ABM has grown in the last even 18 months, two years, um, we're seeing it popping up everywhere. We're seeing a lot of agencies now that are starting to offer it. Um, I think for us, the focus, um, A, we've got experience working in ABM. We've worked on lots of global ABM programs um, for various companies. Um, I think for us, the focus is strategy. You have to have an understanding um, of what our clients' businesses are and what they're looking to achieve and what their goals are and you know where they're looking to go. Um, I think for us, the focus is this, the strategy part, but blending that with creative and technology. Um, that's a real sweet spot for us. Um, and I think, you know, I look out there into the wider universe. and I think there's absolutely a place for everyone out there. I see lots of tech companies popping up. I see lots of um, companies popping up that are offering ABM as sort of a content approach. But actually, true ABM, true strategic ABM brings all of this together and insight as well. And I think that's 
that's a little bit of what gets dropped in in the meantime. Okay, that's pretty clear. And you've segued me into <laughs> insight, which has been mentioned three times and I've been trying to avoid it. But so yes. insight's a big word. Everyone yes. uses the word insight. We're insight-led this, we're insight-led that. What does it mean to you? Yeah. So I think I agree. There's um, many words that are becoming catch-all in, in marketing and business speak. So brand, strategy, innovation, and, and insight has become one of those things. For us, our goal is to help our clients becoming customer focused. Um, and that means under insight, that's helping them to understand their customers, what their customers' goals are, what their objectives are, who the people are within those accounts that are going to be responsible for making decisions about purchasing, um, what their goals are, what their past experiences are, um, where their loyalties might be. And indeed, that's, I think, a key one to figure out. Um, so insight is really this upfront activity that really can't be undervalued. It's absolutely the, the foundation of any ABM program. Um, get your insight right, get your information, understand your customers, and then however you choose to tactically execute that over, whether it be over a period of six months, whether it be over 12 12 months, the world's your oyster. And you can be really, there's some really great creative opportunities that you can to do that. But you can only do that if you understand the people that you you are targeting in the first place. And I think that has got lost really in many businesses. I think it's got lost often or not in many agencies as well. You have to understand your customers. That's where, that's where the value is. Okay. Um, we understand it is a newish strategy to a lot of companies. Simon, you've been in the business a long time. I mean, how can companies that want to try this approach get started? Well, it, it, you know, the, the beauty about this business, of course, is it's so regenerative. And if you've been in it long enough, then then you begin to see the same things coming around again. And, and one of the things that they have to do is as a pilot. You can't, like anything in life, you know, you, you can't jump in all guns blazing into something as big and as all-consuming as ABM. And, and as Sam has been uh, intimating or explaining uh, very lucidly, you know, this is it, this is not for the faint-hearted. You've got to have the right skills. You've got to have the right budgets. You've got to have C-suite. There's an awful lot of things that need to be in place for ABM to be truly successful. And, 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 and as a result, perhaps... Perhaps you know the warning here is about managing people's expectations. This is this is not cheap. Uh, it's long term, and as such, uh, you know if you're going to commit to it, you've got to commit to it. I think I think for the long term. But the way to hedge your bets and to ensure and to, to limit the, the downside of the risk is to do a pilot and to be very clear what the boundaries are of that pilot, get that pilot underway, make sure it's successful, and then go from there. I think you're absolutely right, Simon. A pilot is absolutely the place to start here. And I think being um, considered in what you choose to, to be a pilot, and I think, you know, people go into a pilot and they see ABM as perhaps this golden state of things. And, you know, it's not a silver bullet. Um, I think often or not, companies tend to see the benefits of ABM after about 12 months of activity. Some tend to see that after eight to nine months. But um, I would say around 12 months is realistic. Certainly in the UK, it tends to be a little bit quicker in the US. Um, but take a pilot, tr do something that's manageable. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Get everyone on, bo on board, prove the model, and then look at how you scale it for the second year. And that really, I think, it is the the best way to start. You don't want to break your people or get people who start to be sceptical about the value of account-based marketing. If you're in it, you're in it for the long run. Start small, start manageable, prove it, and then the world's your oyster. How do you know if you're ready or right for ABM? If you're a, if you're a, a company, I mean, is it right for anybody and everybody? What what signs should 
either you look for in providing services or should companies look for if they're trying to adopt the strategy? Yeah, I think crucially you need an exec sponsor. You need somebody that's going to support it from the top. You need to have sales on board. I think, you know, I've seen companies try to do it without sales on board and it has has been a bit of a struggle. You need people that are going to commit time. They're going to commit resource. You need budget that's being made available for, for ABM. I think it's tough as well to do ABM alongside the day job. Um, so if you can dedicate somebody as an ABM or to lead that program, to lead that pilot, I think your chances of being more successful are higher. Um, I think planning, I think it's about bringing an agency on board if you can. I think they will bring um, valuable knowledge and experience to the table. And I think it's absolutely about talking to other people who have started pilots or are starting pilots themselves um, to see what their experiences are, where you can learn from them and what knowledge is to be shared. I think there's a lot out there, so absolutely make use of it in planning. Do you see scope creep even at pilot stage? I mean, how, how resolute would clients need to be about what they can expect out of a pilot program? Yeah, I think it's clear to be, um, it's important to be clear up front about what a pilot constitutes. Um, And you need somebody who's going to lead that. You need somebody who's going to manage that. You need somebody who's going to be, not be afraid rather, to say, this is what's in parameters. And do you know what? If your accounts aren't part of the pilot program, you can go and take ABM practices and ABM mindset and, you know, on board that into the way that you're working outside of the pilot um you know this way of working anyone can adopt it and i think that's the joy of it so that's a wrap thank you once again samantha really really interesting hopefully uh the listeners found that interesting as well lots to think about and chew over uh over christmas um and hopefully uh, you'll have an opportunity to comment on some of the points that uh, samantha raised during that uh, interview, uh, Dom, um, a couple of questions for you. What what sort of came across? What was the what was the number one theme that sort of that you took away from Samantha's interview? I think part one of the most important things probably is that ABM at the moment means different things to different people. So there's the official dogma that is put out by ITSMA, and uh, while the discipline has been finding its feet and it is still in in my opinion in the very early stages of adoption so while it's been finding its feet that's been the official line Uh, but 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 it means different things to different people and we've seen lots of agencies doing what they call abm that frankly isn't and what i really like about samantha's approach is it it actually harks back to if you think back to when we were all cutting our teeth in the marketing industry in the early days it's strategic marketing founded on good quality, primary research, reliable research that allows you to draw meaningful insight and then act upon them. And I think that ABM will increasingly become important to those people that can afford to resource it. Let's face it, ABM is not cheap, um, which is why I think at the moment the kind of the early adopters of it have been global businesses. But I was really captivated by the way that um, the way that Sam thinks about her approach to creating those campaigns it's very very research-led now our podcast is called martrek because we are looking at the kind of the frontier is abm right now at the frontier of marketing i think abm is right at the frontier of marketing at the moment yes it is a it comes back to the question of what is abm so so the one-to-one marketing and the one-to-few marketing that Sam talked about, I think, is pure ABM. I think a lot of the lead gen stuff people are doing, whether it's programmatic um, or, or just automated, I think fits into the one-to-one 
many bracket. And I would argue that probably isn't ABM. But I, I think it's new because what you've got now is technology underpinning the kind of things that we all used to do. Research a subject, draw insight from it, model a power base, understand who you need to communicate in with within an organization in order to sell to them. More importantly, in order to deliver value to them, that's not new. But I think the technology that allows you to do it at scale certainly is. And the thing I took away from it is um, just how much legwork, you know, we talked about insight and research and using technology, how much more uh, is involved up front. Do you think for clients that are considering ABM, uh, how should they go about what, what did you take away in terms from a client perspective? If they're considering ABM, what's your advice for them for next steps? Well, I think, as Sam said, a pilot stage is essential. If, if a company hasn't done ABM before, they, they simply have to pilot it. And I think where many companies go wrong is they say, yeah, we want to do a pilot, and then they produce a brief for a whole ABM campaign. A pilot is a pilot. It needs to be very tightly defined. It needs to be very small. And I think one of the things that Sam's doing at Incubi by productizing some of the elements of ABM, allow people to dip their toe into the ABM water without committing too much. Um, now, the, the quid pro quo is people have to understand that the results will be limited. Uh, and also, you know, Sam went to great pains to express that ABM is a long-term strategy. This isn't a short-term tactic or initiative. It's a business strategy that aligns sales and marketing long-term to deliver big accounts. So a pilot is not going to have the same effect that a full campaign will, but, but the pilot is the right way to start. That's a wrap for this edition of Martrek. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. And um, next time, we have a really interesting guest in Julian Roberts from ESET. If you take issue with anything you've heard in the show, you've got ideas for the future, or if you want to take part yourself, we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do that on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. You can find out more on our website at martrekpodcast.com. So we hope you all have a lovely Christmas and we'll see you in the new year. Till next time. Mm-hmm.